Welcome to The Corporate Middle. I'm your host, Donald Metter. Well, today, I'm going to be playing part two of my conversation with Blake Benz. Blake is a business coach, and he helps businesses get more customers, learn how to scale their revenue, and for leaders, how to become a better leader. And that's the focus of what we have been talking on together, how to be better leaders. In today's conversation, we're going to talk about how ego is the enemy of great leadership and are rockstar employees even possible. There's a lot of really good wisdom that Blake shares with us today. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Take a listen. Welcome to The Corporate Middle, your survival guide for corporate insanity. I got a kick out of this. The other day, someone asked, she said, how can I make my employees more engaged without paying them any more money and without me devoting any more time to them? (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, okay, well, so I guess you don't really want, but see, we always want the result without actually putting in the work to, to actually make it happen. And it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I think that's exactly, uh, you've kind of hit the crux of a lot of the issues is, you know, what, what can I do that has the least amount of responsibility? <laughs> that doesn't, you know, what's the pill that I can take to lose 50 pounds? Because I would like that pill. And, right. and so much of what being a good leader means is spending your time on other people, spending your time on your team, making those high performance employees understanding yourself, understanding where you're good, your leadership style, not emulating, but being your genuine self, which is a lot of what we've talked about and what makes it so hard because the the pace makes it really hard to do this, especially if you're not the boss, right? Uh If you're sitting somewhere in a different level of organization, you don't have a lot of control of the overall culture, but you do control what I call the micro culture, right? You have control of your actual team and there is so much more you can control then you realize. I think that's what the challenge is. You feel helpless, but you actually have more control than you realize. And I, and I think the credit to that story, because a lot of times people will say, well, I can't, exactly what you just said, I can't affect the company as a whole. And it, I, I think it's good perspective to recognize I do have a micro culture that I'm in charge of. Uh, Donnie Smith, he's retired now, but he was the CEO of Tyson Foods. You know, it's Fortune 500. It's located here in Northwest Arkansas. And under his leadership as CEO, they went from like $8 billion in revenue to $70 billion. I mean, almost like times 10 in seven years. So this guy obviously knew how to do business. Well, his story is really cool. It actually, he wasn't like this business guru. In fact, it tells a great story of Tyson actually at one point was 21 days from bankruptcy and they hadn't brought him on yet as CEO, but they were looking at the books and he was like, I don't know what any of this means. Like, I don't know. Like he didn't, he didn't know what a bond was. He didn't know, like there's all these things that you would think a business owner would know that he just was like, dude, I grew up, you know, as a chicken farmer. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know any <laughs> of this stuff. But what was so cool about his story was his division was incredibly profitable. And when they asked him, what are you doing that's making him so profitable? He said, look, I just focus on the culture. I just focus on my people. That's all I spend. That's the only thing I spend my time on is my people. And so whenever they made him CEO, that became their company-wide policy. It was basically, this is the, the, the forefront, the foremost thing we're going to do. We're going to focus on our culture. And I was actually just talking to someone who she doesn't work there anymore, but she worked for Donnie 
And she was a more frontline employee. And I said, you know, what was it like? And she was like, oh, he was amazing. He, he would walk the halls and talk to every single person, no matter who they were, no matter what time of day it was, because he cared that much about the culture. And so his, his care around the microculture is what caused his team to be more successful. And then ultimately, it's what got him the job as CEO. And so I, I, I would agree with you. I mean, you can't discount the influence you have right around you. The biggest thing you hit on right there, I think, in addition to the culture piece, is that so many leaders are spending so much time on things that don't matter. That's true. Right? They're, they're looking at the Excel spreadsheets. They're focused so hard on the numbers, and they're missing the most basic pieces of what it means to be a leader. And that is being a leader, mm-hmm. leading your team, understanding the impact that shaking someone's hand has, Uh right? Understand the impact your emails have, the words have, the way you hold your conference calls. It is the little things, the fundamentals that actually will determine overall a lot of your success. If you focus on those fundamentals, the bigger stuff actually takes care of itself a lot of times because your employees are probably smarter than you (laughs) and better than you on most of the things you do. And so if you're spending time investing in them, you're going to get the return. You're going to get the return and eventually pay those dividends. Again, as we talked about, the challenge is sometimes that doesn't happen overnight, and you may need a little time to develop that relationship and that trust with that team, but it's going to pay such huge dividends. It's silly not to focus on it. I had a boss who he would say, because back when we did corporate coaching, he would say, uh, sometimes we'd have clients who would say, well, I just don't have time to invest in my people or spend time with my people. And what he would say in return was always, well, then you're not doing your job. That's just plain and simple. You're just not doing your job. If you're not spending any time with your team, if you're not spending, if you're not investing in them, you aren't doing your job because that's your job as a leader. It's, it's to nurture those people and help them be successful. That's exactly right. And I think as we've talked about the challenges, there's so many little fires that happen all the time that feels like it needs to take all of your energy and all of your strength. And I've talked about this on some previous podcasts, but the first question you need to ask anytime any to-do list comes up, what would happen if I just didn't do this? (laughs) That's what you need to ask. Literally, what would happen if you didn't do it? And I think you're going to be surprised that sometimes the answer is nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Uh, It's a fire drill that will eventually put itself out or potentially needs to belong to somebody else. But I, I think so much of being a great leader is going to be based on that time management, making sure you're focused on doing the right things, investing your time in the right places and with your people. Well, and people people are, I mean, we're all pretty similar in that. We're all looking for validation that we matter. And so I think what happens sometimes in, in the management world is that small fire will come across someone's desk and they may not realize this at the time, but they throw themselves into it because they find validation in it. I'm going to solve this, even though it's not really a big deal. I'm going to solve it because that that confirms to me that I'm important. It's kind of like we had a person at my last company who she she took on this huge project on do we call our clients customers or clients? And by the time it was me and it was the CEO, and, or she was the CEO at the time, and by the time we got looped into this conversation, my CEO, my COO goes, why does this even matter? Like this, <laughs> we just sat through like a 30 minute presentation on this. Like, can we just call them just whatever? Or, or, Hey, I'll just say, Hey, we're going to call them clients done. Like, why do we need to have a massive deal on this? And I, I think it's because again, people, they, they're, they're looking for things to find value in 
And so people will naturally cling to something that feels important to them. And the way I would challenge that is it would be to resist that temptation and instead take all of that energy into funneling it into your people. You know, the the validation that you want as a leader, you can have that by actually nurturing talent, by developing your people, by making them successful. Uh, A saying that I've always really liked is the greatest validation for your own life is not by climbing the next rung of the ladder. It's by holding the ladder for someone else to climb up and to be able to see someone else be successful, to see someone else step into the limelight. I mean, that's a feeling that you can't replicate anywhere else. You're exactly right. I think the challenge is some leaders don't prescribe to that theory and, you know, they want to make sure to keep those individuals working for them. I think if you look at, you know, let's take football as an example, right? They talk about the coaching tree. They always want to know where these coaches came from. If you look at Nick Saban, his coaching tree, all the people under him that came to become a head coach and became successful. That is actually the measurement of are you a successful leader is who that has been underneath you has learned from you, has blossomed and become their own version of success, whether that's, you know, another manager or leader or starting their own company. You know, that's what we should be doing. We should be developing our own coaching tree. Uh You know, people should say, oh, this individual they worked with Blake. So I know these are the values that they have and he wouldn't vouch for them unless they were great, right? right. That's what we should be doing. And you're exactly right. I, I've had that feeling as a leader when I've watched someone that has been on my team blossom, become my peer, and even sometimes become my superior. And there, there's nothing that you know you feel bad about from that. You don't, you're not jealous of that success. You feel great because you had a part in that, in a part of that learning and a part of that leading. And it, it's there really is nothing like it. Uh-huh. Well, and again, on the flip side, it's, it's ego. The reason people don't feel comfortable with it, it's because of their own ego. And Donnie Smith, who I mentioned before, he tells a great story of people who he had to get out of Tyson, who were, you know, they were like a vice president or they were a senior executive and they had bought a boat. And now in their mind, they are boat people and they're always going to have a boat. And if anyone ever threatens that, I mean, they're going to fight against that because they're never going to go, <laughs> I'm a boat person and I will always be a boat person. And if I ever have to sell my boat, I'm going backwards in life. And so Donnie tells the story of just having to root out people who were so consumed with their own ego and their own title and their own position that they couldn't even recognize the talent around them. Because, uh, yeah, ultimately, maybe maybe they do get a promotion that you want or they move on faster than you want. But, you know, that's that's... For me, that's just not how I do business. You know, it's not about how far I can get. It's about, you know, and that's very literally why I run a coaching business. It's the people that I can hold the ladder for them so that they can go on and be successful. Well, I think we've we've come full circle at this point as we're already talking about ego again, uh, which <laughs> underscores how important it is to make sure you recognize it and you do something about it. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that that's really what's important. And again, that comes back to that self-awareness to, to understand when your ego's getting in the way. I know, like I said, it's, it's happened to me. Sometimes it takes me a little while to recognize it, uh, but thankfully, thankfully, I'm able to do it. One of the things that I wanted to talk about is rock star employees. I know that that's a main focus of yours. Mm-hmm. What, what is a rock star employee? Rock star employee is basically someone who cares about the business as much as you do. And they're going to, they're going to, when they come into work, they're going to throw themselves at their you know, whatever it is they need to do that day, but they're going to do it without you having to, you know, parent them or, 
or micromanage them or because a lot of times what happens is people, especially as they get their business gets to the point of scaling is they they've developed something that works. But once they bring on that employee, now they're spending all of their time on that employee instead of actually continuing to focus on growing the business. And so what I found was there were these companies that I was working with where it just seemed to work and like the owner was spending like here's a really great example only because she wouldn't she wouldn't care if I mentioned them by name. So Stephanie Medford, who's the CEO of Ronald McDonald House here in Northwest Arkansas, her team just works like she's not she doesn't like check in on them. It's not like, you know, are you doing your job today? It's it's she's focusing on the organization as a whole and where it's headed. And then she has these these people who work for her who they just know what to do. And so I'm looking at this and thinking, okay, there's a formula here that deserves closer attention. And can we replicate it and share it with other business owners so that they can go on and flourish as well? Uh, as well, And also just for the sake of the employees, can we create a company where employees actually really like working there? You know, where it's not like the Monday blues of, yeah, I have to go to work today, but instead it's like, yeah, I get to go to this job and I love it. That's all kind of what I think of when I think of rockstar employees. It sounds like you're talking about the dream. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> that's the dream, right, of, of every leader, of every manager is to have employees like that where you don't feel like you have to be looking over their shoulder and you don't feel like. It doesn't have to be a dream, though. And I think that's what's so funny to me is there are so, and especially if you talk to Stephanie, for her, it's like, it's, and I don't want to, I don't want to discount anything. I mean, she's, she's a phenomenal boss and her, her second in command, Leah Jones is a phenomenal number two. They, they just have, they have really good talent there. But at the same time, we make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a dream. The, 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 the kicker is you have to be willing to die to your ego and actually change things that are dysfunctional in your business. The reason people can't have it is because they don't actually want to pay the price for developing that. It's like, you know, if you're going to have the beach body, you better have your rear in the gym. It's, it's not going to happen on its own. It's not going to develop on its own. So when people tell me, oh, I'll never have that, I kind of just laugh and I think, yeah, you probably won't because you're not willing to, you know, pay the price. And sometimes that's a monetary payment. I mean, Stephanie, what's so funny for her, she runs a nonprofit and she pays her employees four and five figure bonuses, thousands of dollars in bonuses. And what her peers are paying, they're paying like a $25 gift card to Applebee's, you know, and who eats at Applebee's anymore? And so, <laughs> you know, it's like, but it's, it's perspective. It's, it's okay. I'm going to physically pay this because I know it works and it's worth it to me. And it kind of goes all the way back to that person I mentioned who's like, how do I improve my employees without paying them more and spending any more time on them? It's like, well, you can't. That's why it's a dream in your mind, because you're unwilling to actually change how you do business. Yeah, I wonder why when I'm sitting at the buffet, I can't lose weight. I'm always <laughs> I'm always curious, what is the disconnect on that? But maybe now I know. <laughs> yeah, see, I've just, I've just embraced the dad bod, so... That's just how I'm going to live my life moving forward. I definitely still have the gym membership, but I'm like, eh, I'm okay with the. You know, it, it's important to accept where you are in life at some yeah, point. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. So what I'm hearing is that Rockstar employees are possible. They're not a dream, but you have to be willing to actually take action and pay the price necessary to get them. Yeah, it will. And, and, it's, it's less about the talent you hire and it's more about what you do with them. 
So many people, they think about, okay, how do I find the A-list employees? Chances are you can't get the A-list employees because they don't want to work for you. You can't pay them enough. I mean, they're going to the big companies that they've always wanted to work for. They don't care about you. The B and C level employees, and I mean that in the sense of maybe they don't have like the experience on their resume. Maybe they don't have, you know, whatever it is that is your qualifier that would cause them to seem to be less capable. Those people are absolutely capable of being A star employees, absolutely, as long as you manage them correctly. And I think that's the challenge for people is understanding it's actually very little to do with who you bring into your company. It's what you do with them. I think there's so much truth to that. And I know that, you know, especially as a middle manager, I don't get to pick my team, right? Most of the time I'm going to inherit whoever had that team before, or if I'm starting a new team, it's just kind of a hodgepodge from different groups. And so it's so important to understand how to be a coach, I had to coach those people up. I know when I was starting a brand new organization and a brand new team, my my director came to me and said, you're going to get five people and I need you to make those five people seem like 15. Hmm. And that and that was the ask, right, is to coach this team up to make them so good that you're going to seem like 15 when you only got five people. And so that's the challenge. And, and it is possible. And I think we're both here to say that it is possible, but it's not easy. And that's hmm. the difference. Well, there's a price. There's a price on leadership. The challenge is, will you pay it, right? (laughs) And uh, some people will, some people won't, you know? Right, and and that's the difference between a leader coach and a manager. Mm -hmm. That's the difference right there is the people willing to pay the price and the people that are not. Well, and I think for Stephanie Medford's case, you have all these other nonprofits and even businesses who are like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. How did you, you're so lucky to have this kind of team. And it's like, you don't know what she's paid to get that. You don't know what the the tears and the sweat that she's put in to get that, you know, it's not easy, but she was willing to pay it. You always see the end results. You don't see the process. Right. I think that's the biggest challenge, right? Especially in the Instagram generation is <laughs> you, you see the perfection, but you don't see all the lighting and the, and the airbrushing and, and everything else that, that took behind the scenes. And we've touched on so many great topics and there's been, there's a lot of takeaways that, you know, I'm going to have to go back and re-listen to this myself a couple of times. Just again, it Blake, you've been an excellent guest. If, if folks want to learn more about rockstar employees and you know what they can do and where they can even get you to be a coach, where should they go? So I have a website, it's goodadvicecoaching.com. Uh, They can also reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I'm on there almost daily. Uh, Or they can email me, Blake, at goodadvicecoaching.com. Really, those are the three best ways to reach out to me. Awesome. Thanks so much, Blake. Really enjoyed having you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. I think you got something out of it because I know that I did. If you want to find out more about Blake, you can find him at goodadvicecoaching.com. And if you missed part one, go ahead and scroll back and check out part one because there's definitely some good advice in there as well. If you have anything you'd like me to cover on the show, you can reach out to me at thecorporatemiddle.com. You'll find all my contact information there. Hope you enjoyed the show today. Hope you have a great week. And remember, the reward for good work is just more work.